and welcome to another episode of the Ostrich Technique podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ananth. And I am Chris. Yeah, so we were initially planning on doing a full episode uh, of our Marvel rewatch for Incredible Hulk. And then, of course, this little movie comes along called uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, uh, a humble little indie film. Would you say, Chris, um, yeah. that it came out and taking the world by storm had a pretty big opening and uh, we both loved it. So kind of like how we did with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, we figured it'd be good to do a mini episode of sorts and just discuss our thoughts on it, give a quick uh, rundown of, of everything and uh, just, I guess, take it from there. So... Um, yeah, I mean, Chris, anything to add there, or should we just jump right in? No, let's let's jump right in. Yeah, so Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is, of course, a direct sequel to the 2018 uh, critically acclaimed film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, this film is, uh, I mean, for me, it's, this was, you know, Chris, coming into this one was my most anticipated movie mm-hmm. of 2023, yep. and... I was I I mean the animation style everything looks so good and I'm so pleased to say that this movie really lived up to all of my expectations hopes and it honestly surpassed them in some ways it was it's pretty incredible um and also I guess up top for anyone who's listening obviously this is a full spoiler discussion of this movie so if you haven't seen this movie yet uh I don't know why you're listening to this podcast I don't know if you want to hear all the spoilers from us before watching the movie. I guess that's your prerogative, but, you know, it's full spoilers here. But, uh, yeah, I absolutely love this movie. And, I mean, I can go through every... I mean, I, I, there's so many things I liked about this movie. I mean, the visuals, of course, were just unbelievable, which I'm sure anyone who comes out of this movie would probably agree with. Um, I'm sure you do, too, right, Chris? Yeah, I mean... It is incredible visual effects and art. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I know some people might, I don't know, maybe get maybe a little, little dizzy or, you know, because there's a lot of different colors of flashes, things going on, but mm-hmm. it is so stylistic and it is phenomenal what, you know, these VFX artists have done. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I I mean, this this movie is is art honestly it really surpasses the the i think animate just being animation and it really is just absolutely stunning to look at i mean there's so many just beautiful moments in this movie like the the scene where miles and gwen are sitting upside down and talking and and seeing the cityscape of new york I, i mean that shot i i wish i could get a 4k wallpaper of that i'm sure it'll come out eventually but it was just absolutely beautiful them I mean, you could probably pause any frame in this movie, quite frankly, and it would really just be an amazing, like, background or a poster or anything. They're, like, everything just looks so, so good. I mean, I, I won't go on and on about it. I'm, I mean, there's a bajillion reviews out there on the internet talking about how amazing this movie looks, and rightfully so. I mean, the artists really just did incredible work on this. But, um, yeah, I mean, the visuals, of course, is just one aspect of this movie, but... The, the story, of course, the story, the themes, the, the script, everything about this is really just from top to bottom so well done here. Um, and I, I, I guess this is where we disagree a little bit, Chris. I know we, so we saw the movie together and 
we came out of this movie having different opinions on how complete the story felt. Um, I guess we can get to that point a little bit later, but I think the overall story, what did you think about it, Chris? Because I, I can obviously go on and on about this. Yeah, overall story, um, it's pretty pretty spectacular. <laughs> um, I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'll be here all week. Um, it's, a, it's a great story. Um, it's a good evolution of you know miles story in the first one mm-hmm. um but it they the way they write it they give all the different characters their own sort of journeys and arcs yeah um in a really good way and i think the writers did a really good job balancing out all those stories and also just kind of interweaving all of them into uh you know one cohesive plot yeah definitely i i mean this it's really interesting because this movie, I think, it, it really encapsulates everything that's great about Spider-Man. And I know Spider-Man is one of my favorite superheroes. I don't know about you, Chris. I would imagine he's probably up there for you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like most people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Spider-Man is, is such a great character. But I think it really, the story just encapsulates everything that I really like about Spider-Man. Just stepping up and taking responsibility when everything is against you, like the entire world, like, I mean, for Miles, he's dealing with his own personal life in the beginning of the movie uh, with school and weighing the responsibility of his his family life as well, along with being Spider-Man. And then when he gets to the actual spider society, having to basically deal with the entire weight of the spider society shunning him for the most part. And in the face of that, still standing up and, facing it head on and basically outwitting them, which is pretty incredible considering he wasn't deemed worthy enough to be part of the spider society is, you know, again, just really speaks uh, to the underdog nature of Spider-Man as a hero and as a character. And just, I mean, I love this movie. It's, it's even the story itself just is again, how Spider-Man is, or Miles Morales in this case is really dealing with, wanting to be kind of like the Spider-Man that he saw from the first movie, trying to live up to Peter B. Parker, Gwen, Spider-Ham, Spider-Man Noir. And again, when he's ultimately shunned by everyone in the Spider-Society, and in particularly aggressive way and serious way by Miguel, it ultimately untethers him from all of those expectations. And he literally says, I'm going to do my own thing. And that's when he really takes control of his own story. And I, I think for me, that was just, it, it really works, this movie, on so many levels. Um, yeah, I mean, anything to add there, Chris? I, I Sorry, I went on for a bit. No, there. no, no, you go ahead, go off. Um, <laughs> no, it's, I, I agree with your points. I think it's everything you mentioned about what Spider-Man stands for, you know, kind of what Miles is going through. Um, it really works, and I'm just really excited to see the conclusion um, and how all of his story wraps up, you know, come March. Oh, yeah. No, I I cannot wait till March 2024. This movie, it cannot get here fast enough. I am just, I, and I am desperately hoping this movie does not get delayed. Though, I mean, if they need more time to make it, and if it's going to be as incredible as the first two were, then, I mean, I'll be a little bit upset about it. But, you know, it, it, take the time you need to make the third movie just as good as as you need to um 
Yeah, I mean, I think one other interesting thing about that whole story of Miles being rejected by the Spider Society, I actually saw uh, Dan Merle's review on this. Chris, I don't know if you had a chance to see his review on YouTube. Mm-mm. But uh, he was talking about how it's almost kind of a meta commentary, the whole Miles being rejected bit, because it it kind of mirrors how, like, when Miles was introduced in the comics, he was also, like, pretty thoroughly rejected at first by a lot of the Spider-Man diehards, since he wasn't Peter Parker, um, or, I mean, maybe not, like, a white dude, like, he always has been in the comics. And the fact that Miles is, I mean, now he's arguably one of the most popular iterations of Spider-Man. Not that there are so many of, I mean, there are. There are, I mean, this movie literally showed how many Spider-People. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like amongst the main, I guess, names of Spider-Man, I would argue that probably Miles is right behind Peter Parker at this point now. Like, I mean, it's definitely, he's definitely above like Spider-Woman, Spider-Gwen, I mean, Spider-Gwen is also up there, definitely, thanks to these movies, but, like, Spider-Woman, uh, Mayday, Parker, which who also had was introduced here, Ben Riley, all of the various iterations of Spider-Man, I, I would say probably Peter and Miles are one and two. Um, I mean, would you agree there? Yeah, yeah I would so, agree. Yeah, and I mean, I think part of that is also just, you know, Miles, again, this, the comics, I believe, did really their own thing, and Miles is a completely different take on Spider-Man than... Mm-hmm. Mile and then Peter Parker, so you know, yep. just uh, just a great you know story. Again, works on multiple levels, but yeah, and I think you also touched in your story bit about the characters, and that's another bit I just really liked. How even though you don't spend a ton of time with everyone, everyone still feels like they have their own worlds and are so fleshed out, and that you could probably make a movie or a TV show, or, like, you could expand very easily on any of them. So, like, Miguel, you there's so much material there that was, they seeded, but you could, I mean, they didn't explain everything, but you really got what you needed, and mm-hmm. you could definitely explore more. Peter B., you got more of his life, which was he, obviously great to see him after the first movie. Uh, Spider-Man India, Pravitra Prabhakar, he was awesome, too. Um, Hobie, of course, everyone I think is coming out of this movie having a real appreciation and love for Spider-Punk or Hobie. Um, I mean, are there any characters to you that stuck out, Chris? I mean, I think the big one is Gwen had a much, much bigger role in this one. Um, It was really good to see kind of her background um, because, you know, we have all these Mm -hmm. Spider-Men. so we kind of know the story of like how all all those go, but from you know at least a female perspective, it was you know quite different. See, Peter Parker is not the superhero in this one, right? And at least her dimension. So it was really interesting to see like um, how her Peter Parker met his demise, um, and how she still kind of went through all you know not all, but she went through some canon events, um, which you you know haven't really seen in in you know movies or spider-man movies um so i think it was a really cool take to see her and you know give her the chance to shine you know they open up the movie with gwen um which i really liked Mm -hmm. yeah no definitely i think gwen's story i mean she has such a great character arc in this movie where she is such a loner and basically trying to do everything on her own and her arc is really 
just opening up and letting people in because by the end of the movie when she's going to try and find Miles and save him she literally assembles her own crew of spider people of course with the people from the first movie like uh, Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Ham, Penny and Hobie I think is also no Hobie wasn't in there but uh, Pavithra was in there as well. Is Hobie not in there? I don't think he was. Um, Yeah I don't I don't recall. Maybe it requires a rewatch, but I don't think I don't recall seeing him in that final shot of them walking into the alternate portal that they made. But uh, I mean, regardless, I'm. Sh- I mean, he's probably in their group in spirit, and will probably show up in the next movie again, just because he is clearly an important figure in this whole uh, story here. But uh, yeah, I mean, Gwen just had a great arc, and. I I mean I want to touch back again on the visuals here, but the visuals of her, her version of Earth were yeah. just amazing. Just how the the world changes and adapts, like the colors based on her emotions were just super super cool. Mm-hmm. Like when she's hugging her dad, when she's dealing with her own problems, and then her dad comes in and she gives her a hug, or he gives him a hug the colors changing to become more warm and inviting behind her was just, it was such a nice touch. Yeah. And just at least the style for me for that, it just reminded me of kind of like, you know, watercolor paint hitting the paper and kind of just, Mm -hmm. you know, separating out, you know, moving outwards from the center. Um, you know, things that like that, like, yeah, like you said, kind of opening up warming. It was just a great touch. Um, yeah. And and every character had that lovely, their own unique art style. Of course, I think Hobie was the big, yeah, yeah. Uh, the showpiece of that. And I mean, I've I've been reading articles about how, it, I mean, Hobie was uh, his own technical marvel, where each piece of his clothing was animated at a different frame rate, which is just incredible. But um, different different discussion. But basically, the art is just incredible in this movie, and the art is in service of the story, which is, I mean, just makes it even more impactful mm-hmm. and interesting to see. Yeah, um, yeah. I think going back to the characters, I think uh, maybe a bit overlooked or underrated uh, aspect of or characters would be, you know, Miles's parents. Um, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, the. The first movie, uh, it was much more of Miles' relationship with his dad, um, but here we get to really see that dynamic between both of his parents, mm-hmm. um, and you know how their parenting style is, and you know it brought out a lot of humor, whether it was intentional or not. Oh yeah, um, and you really see like it's funny how you know you know his dad is the cop, and you really think he's like this big patriarch, and then you see him interacting with his wife in this one and you realize you know he's a bit of a soft he's a little afraid of her um oh yeah which is you know i thought it was a really really fun dynamic um and i'm glad they really really you know shine the light on that that parent dynamic oh for sure i think i think the big trap that sometimes these coming of age stories fall into is that the parents are typically just set as an obstacle for the child or the adolescent where their whole goal is to try and sort of circumvent them or get around them, which Miles is obviously trying to do to some degree, but it's not because his parents are just there to act as an obstacle for the sake of being an obstacle or for the sake of the story to try and push Miles forward. They're, they're, 
uh, I guess, resistance to Miles being the way he is or being so closed off to them is in service of their own characters. They're real people with their own complex emotions, and they're clearly protective, and they're just trying to look out for Miles. And I, I think you really got that in that conversation outside Miles's room where they were really just trying to figure out how to talk to him and how to get him to open up and just deal with him. And I, I mean, those are the sorts of quiet moments in the movie that even when it's not full of action and spectacle and like incredible visuals, the movie still has you really hooked. And mm-hmm. again, it's really one of the reasons why the movie works so well, apart from just amazing visuals and good stories. They really focus on the characters and everything is really focused around them, which is just amazing. Yeah. And, um, I'd like to use the parents to kind of transition to the next part, but before mm-hmm. I do, um, I I do think Jessica Drew, Spider Woman, yeah, is also a really fun character. Uh, um, you know, almost a standout. Not as much as Spider Punk, but I thought right. she was a really fun character. Added some spunk, mm-hmm. um, and again, serving as a mentor to Gwen. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, I guess in the first one you had Peter B. Parker serving as the mentor to Miles now kind of you see that foil or the you know that um kind of reflection of okay now Gwen is getting her mentor. Yeah, yeah. I I do wish we kind of got a little bit more of Jess in this movie. Mm-hmm. I I feel like she was maybe maybe the one character I I wanted to learn a little bit more about. We obviously got little bits and pieces from mm-hmm. her, but of course this movie had so much to juggle, so I'm not really going to yeah. hold it against them for not having the space or the time to really flesh her out. But I mean, even what we got of her, I would agree that she really was, uh, and I really didn't think about it that way where she was actually serving as a foil to Peter B. Parker Mm -hmm. and serving as Gwen's mentor, which is, which was uh, a nice touch. I hopefully they'll show a little bit more about what Gwen actually learned from Jess, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just her telling Miles how we got at sort of an offhand comment while they were swinging around that, oh, I've learned so much from her. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. But one, yeah. One character that oh. we also didn't touch on, sorry, I, I don't want yeah, to yeah, go ahead, go deal ahead. with it, was the villain, of course, Spot. That, we, is, that is actually where I was going with the transition. Oh, perfect. Well, I, I guess <laughs> I read your mind there. But, yeah, no, Spot was, oh, man. It, it's What a great transition from being this really goofy villain, and he has a great introduction even as a goofy villain, but he really becomes super, super menacing. And I, I know that I pointed this out to you, but it's really interesting how he is has basically the same arc as Electro from Spi- Amazing Spider-Man 2, where he's sort of this goofy uh, scientist that ev- everyone overlooks and has this accident and is basically shunned by everyone. And in doing so, basically makes him even more of a threat. But, of course, this movie just does it so much better and uh, really gives respect to this almost like a D-tier villain in the comics and makes him just this really formidable threat to Spider-Man, especially leaning into this sequel. Um, Sorry, I I didn't mean to steal your thunder there, but go go ahead on your thoughts on Spot. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was really great like you mentioned it like almost a d-tier villain yeah and especially one that seemed kind of goofy looking Mm -hmm. um and they make him this real like threat and you feel the 
the real impending doom from him. Um, also, like his his theme, like his mu- his theme music, it is unsettling. And some of the shots with with Spot are really unsettling. Oh yeah, no, oh. I, I the way they drew him is yeah. really really well done. Um, again, going from the really sort of goofy, like almost Dalmatian looking character mm-hmm. design to becoming basically the embodiment of like darkness and chaos, essentially with the, all the lines sort of going around yeah. him, whirling around. It was, he was genuinely, I mean, it was a scary image to look at. It's actually pretty cool how they, again, pulled that off. Cause he's obviously a 3d character, but he looks like a 2d drawing, which is mm-hmm. again, uh, again, going back to the art always, but it's, yeah. it's <laughs> he just really is well, uh, all of the art, for him and all of the characters are just so well realized and yeah. again really serve to accentuate what they're trying to bring out from each of those characters. Yeah, I agree. Um yeah. and uh even I mean even Spot, you know, like you kind of alluded to, he has a character arc as well, similar to mm-hmm. Electro but done better. Um and you know, his first appearance, you see him, he's in like code, a, a top hat or whatever, trying to struggles stealing money out of an atm yeah by the end of it you know he has learned how to wield his new powers um you know and is literally looking to go kill you know uh you know uh miles's father um so it's got gotten really dark over the film but um yeah you know spot like even played by you know I guess an actor who didn't really necessarily think he was going to, you know, move on to the sequel and have this big of a role, um, mm-hmm. having that sort of, I don't know, to me, it didn't seem like a very, un, very non-threatening voice, very, a bit of a more comedic yeah. voice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jason Schwartzman is yeah. not the person that comes to mind when you think of menacing and scary, you know? Yeah. So like, I, I think it's a really cool juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, and especially to to retcon, you know, who's the scientist at Alchemex got a bagel thrown at him. Kind of funny yeah. origin story, and then it's one of those retcons that actually I think works really well. And this movie does yeah. it a couple of times, both with the the history of Miles supposedly not actually being the Spider Man. Mm-hmm. According to Miguel, he shouldn't have been Spider Man. And then again, the retcon with the scientist who got bageled in the first Spider-Man being Spot. I, I mean, two retcons that actually really yeah. make sense and work well. But I, I also want to touch back quickly on your point on the voice actor. So, I mean, Jason Schwartzman, obviously one of the voice actors, but all the voice actors did such a great job. And I, I'm again, I don't want to belabor the point, but they they were all great. I mean, Shamik Moore, Haley Steinfeld, uh, Jake Johnson... Um, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Issa Rae. Issa Rae, yep. Um, everyone was great. Everyone. Uh, 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 Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, Lauren, uh, I think that's her name. Lauren something Velez was the lady who voiced Rio Morales. Whoever voiced Rio Morales also did such a great job. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think one thing we both agreed on that was done really, really well Mm-hmm. was the explanation of the multiverse and canon events. Oh, yeah. I think it was such a unique take on the multiverse to explain it with canon events and actually pulling in from all of the Spider-Man media, essentially. They were pulling from the movies. They were pulling from the television shows. I mean, they pulled from Spectacular Spider-Man, which is, I mean, made me the happiest man in the world because, you know, that's one of my favorite yeah. uh 
iterations of Spider-Man in media ever. So, and I mean, the the fact that they were able to pull all of that and contextualize it in this way of canon events was so, so cool. Yeah, and um, you, you, I, at least I didn't really recognize like how, I mean, obviously the the uncle dying, you know, usually mm-hmm. Uncle Ben, but usually, you know, I when I was watching Into the Spider-Verse, I never pieced that together of, oh, it's Uncle Aaron, you know, who's yeah. essentially Miles' Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, so pointing that out in this movie was really cool for me to, like, for it to click, and maybe I'm just a bit slow. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like the whole police captain dying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's how kind of the parents serve a real purpose in this, you know, Mm -hmm. Jefferson or Jeff, he serves a real purpose of being in this movie just about, you know, besides just being the, the parent or the obstacle, like, you know, we were mentioning that, you know, these parents do not serve as, um, but going back to the point, these canon events, you know, are analogous to, I guess the absolute points in time that, you know, the MCU has kind of defined, Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just done much better than you know. However, it was explained in uh, Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, no, I, I mean this is I think, I, I mean there's been a lot of multiverse content coming out off late in movies and television. Um, like I mean everything everywhere all at once, all, a bunch of the MCU movies and TV shows. But I, I really think that this one explains it the best. And it's it's explained in a pretty simple way overall. It's not, I think, overly convoluted, mm-hmm. and they aren't trying to... And it isn't used, I think, as a crutch, where it's a way to escape consequences and responsibility, which I think sometimes is what Marvel, or at least the MCU in particular, has been falling into the trap of, where in this case, the multiverse is very much a consequence and reflects the consequences of the actions of the characters um so like what happened in into the spider-verse with jason schwartzman's character or alchemax in general pulling out that spider from earth 42 having the consequence of that universe having no spider-man and perhaps the world falling into that sort of doom and gloom that we see at the end of the movie and Basically, each of the universes dealing with the ramifications and consequences um, and impacting characters in those ways. It's not like it, just going to a different universe basically absolves you of um, any you know decisions or any weight mm-hmm. to what you do, which I think also lends to why the multiverse in this works really well. Yeah, I, I think this is probably the best depiction of the multiverse um, out of, you know, all the movies or, or shows that I've seen so far. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I also hinted at this point in the beginning of our talk here, but I, I know, again, the you and I differed a little bit or disagreed a bit on the nature of the story feeling complete here or mm-hmm. th- this movie feeling like a complete movie. Yes. Um, so why don't you go first? Why don't you share your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I've, this is very clearly a part one to a two parter. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so I still got that sense, maybe not as much as something like 
Dune where Dune Part One, I just I just felt like nothing happened. I just felt like it was a setup. Whereas this, it does definitely feel like a story, but I don't feel satisfied yet because the resolution is not there. It ends on a cliffhanger, right? Um, so me like you were gonna you're going to argue you know each of his characters have their own arcs in the movies and the arcs are complete in the movies mm-hmm. you, where i guess the overall arc for all these characters may not necessarily be at least the plot is not complete right that for me i want to feel that that plot is finally complete um mm-hmm. so while it doesn't necessarily feel like a complete at least a, a resolved movie to me i still think it, it is a really good movie and um i i will i will agree with you the some of the character arcs are, are complete by the end of the film yeah but yeah. um i yeah just to me i just don't feel like it still feels a little bit too much like a part one to something yeah i i and i think maybe part of that is also you know in the messaging that this movie had uh maybe they wanted to you know end it with a sort of surprise that it's a part one um, because obviously you and I follow the media closely and follow media news, so we knew that this was a part one going into it. Yep. But I know in our theater, especially some of the young kids that we heard in our theater, when they se- when they showed the to-be-continued bit, we heard a pretty audible groan in the audience because I think everyone was hoping that there was going to be more to the movie or something. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I think I agree in the sense that the story is incomplete, but I think that's inherent to the idea of it being a part one um i think for me the overall narrative that they were trying to tell from point a to point b it felt it did feel complete in that sense in that you know again in terms of characters that that felt complete to me and i think that's really what this movie was trying to do in terms of completing a section of a character arc and you know miles going from someone who wants to be recognized as a spider-man to really being his own spider-man and gwen going from someone who's afraid to work with other people or open up to her dad to on the flip side opening up to her dad and then letting people in and actually realizing the value of that um i mean those are obviously the two key character arcs in this story but I, i think that in that respect, for me, I didn't feel unsatisfied coming out of the movie. Obviously, I'm still hungry for more, which is, I mean, they left us on a cliffhanger, which is why I really yeah. want to, I can't wait for March. But I didn't have as much of a problem with it being, feeling like a part one. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, it's just personal opinion. Yeah, um, yeah of course. Of but, course. Um, yeah, I mean... To me, a film like Infinity War, where it, where it is a part one to two part, you know, story, Infinity War itself felt like a complete movie on its own. Mm-hmm. It can stand alone by itself and not need the sequel. Whereas this movie, I feel like I can't give it a, a you know a full honest review or rating without seeing the second one because it just feels like it's a sister movie that needs to be there okay i mean and that's I, just my you know that's just it's, my it's a fair point it's a fair point i mean this movie definitely i mean it, it's it's i i think the perceptions of this movie will be affected by how the sequel turns yeah. out um i think more so than say end game would impact how Infinity War ended out. I mean, I think Endgame would have impacted it in some capacity, how 
Infinity War turned out, but I don't think that it's... I, I, I see the point that you're making. I, I don't disagree with it. I just... Maybe I didn't have as much of a problem with yeah, it yeah, feeling yeah. like a part one. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, we've gone through, I think, I mean, over 30 minutes of what we liked about the movie. I, I guess we should probably hit on if there was anything that we really didn't like. I guess we sort of touched on it with this feeling like a part one for you, but was there really anything else that stuck out? Um, you know, off the bat, I mean, I I highly recommend a second viewing of this movie because they throw a lot at you. Oh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, after just one viewing and letting it marinate for a few days, like, really, there's not much that I can really think that I didn't like. Um, mm-hmm. besides, yeah, maybe that feeling of incompletion, but that's still not huge for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, you know, a lot of people like, you know, Metro Boomin on this, <laughs> but there was still, there was no banger to the level of, of Sunflower on this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I w- that's, that's fair. I, w- I would have liked another, like, you know, a hit like that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, again, that's very minor. Very, very minor. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. I, I was actually going to... That's something I forgot to, you know, mention in my positives as well, and I'll, I'll touch on it briefly, was the score by Daniel Pemberton was really good, and um, just as good, if not better, than the first score that he did in Into the Spider-Verse, and really hits on so many different kinds of music. Um, like, in Mumbatan, really feels like uh, he mm-hmm. really took a lot of Indian inspiration in there. Uh, and then, of course, a lot of uh, the, the score for Spot, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, the score for Miguel really has that ominous tone to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, and Gwen's theme also is really good. But uh, basically every I mean, the, the score is incredible. So it's amazing. Um, the score is really good. The soundtrack, I agree, maybe not as great as the original Spider-Verse soundtrack was. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think for me. In terms of negatives, um, yeah, I mean, I struggle to think of things that I really dislike about this movie. This movie was just, I mean, almost a perfect movie to, in my mind. I think the one thing that I picked up on, which was a bit of a nitpick more than anything, was in a whole society of Spider-Men and women, I don't know if I agree with the idea that all of them would subscribe to Miguel's view of canon events. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, um, not to interrupt you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I agree that I don't think all the spider people would subscribe to that ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, to basically shun Miles because he is an anomaly. Um, like, we don't see the MCU's, you know, Tom Holland's Peter Parker. We don't see Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. We don't see Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker. And part of the spider society right um and i think it's likely that miguel is only inviting people to the spider society that he knows would side with him like i would think all three of those peters would side with miles yeah maybe i don't know i mean but on the flip side they are literally cited as people who have experienced canon events um, mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire's yeah. Spider-Man. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's more just the idea that it feels, it felt a little strange that Spider, that a Spider-Man or any of the Spider-Men would simply let events happen and, tr- and not try and stop them. I mean, the, I mean, Tom Holland's 
Spider-Man, what in Civil War talks about the idea when you see bad things happen and you could stop them and don't, then the bad things happen because of you. Uh, I, I mean, I think that really encapsulates my thoughts on it, right? Like if, and maybe that's why Tom Holland Spider-Man isn't in this. Like you, he probably, I, I think, like you rightfully mentioned, I think he probably would subscribe to Miles' view on, mm-hmm. on this. But um, I don't know if all of the Spider-Men, even in the Spider Society, would agree. And I mean, maybe that's why at the end they all sort of break away from it, like Peter B. and uh, Noir and spider ham and and penny, penny yeah. and gwen yeah so maybe i don't know i it, it was it honestly it's a bit of a nitpick it's not i think as important as the overall idea that uh and and i think part of it's also explained by the fact that you know if they go against canon events then literally their universe gets destroyed so maybe that's enough of an incentive for them to sort yeah. of let things happen but it's uh it, it it is it is kind of interesting that like no one's tried to you know rebel against the system kind of like how miles is doing here but I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. That's happened in the past, but yeah, from what we've seen, we you know, there's no mention of some sort of rebellion like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that really covers it for me. Was there yeah. anything else you wanted to add here? No, I mean, I think you know we went a little bit over what we expect in terms of time, but um, yeah. <laughs> it is a big movie. But yeah, I think we've covered you know the, the main points, and when we get around to maybe doing a full on you know full episode, we'll dive a bit deeper yeah i i definitely want to rewatch this movie like you said i think this movie begs a rewatch and um yeah i mean if you if you haven't seen this movie go see this movie please um this movie deserves all the support it can get um not that it's it's struggling but it's just a really good movie so it definitely deserves all the love and support and um yeah, and if you have seen this movie, go see it again, honestly. I, I think it, it's definitely deserving of it. But um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's it for me. And, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I mean, I love this movie, man. I love it so much. I, I really want to go see it. Yeah, it's superior, you know. <laughs> yeah, another good one. Um, but, yeah, that's, I think, it for us, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. See ya. Bye.